What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast, and this episode is specific to our Whitetail series. The Whitetail series contains 27 episodes, 9 for the early season, which are already out, 9 for the pre-rut and rut, and 9 for the late season. This episode is part of our pre-rut and rut portion, and we're going to be talking scrapes, rubs, bedding areas, food plots, pinch points, funnels, um, morning sits, evening sits, all day sits, calling, decoys, all sorts of crazy stuff that happens during the rut and fun tactics, ground hunting, like the spot and stalk. There's just a ton of stuff to go about. This is my favorite part of the season. So I hope you guys really enjoy these episodes. I think we're even going to have 10 or 11 in this just because of the rut's so much fun and there's a lot of people I got to talk to. Also, this Whitetail series is brought to you by Arrow Hunter Saddles and Onyx Hunt. If you're in the market for a tree saddle, definitely check out Arrow Hunter. They make a phenomenal tree saddle. It's extremely comfortable, very adjustable, made right here in the U.S. I've found them to be the most comfortable for me and um, and I just really like them. So if you use the code DVAIN10, you'll get 10% off your order. And uh, they should be actually shipping. They just came out with a new one here in the Mer- the Merlin, uh, but they should be shipping here pretty soon, uh, getting a whole lot more in stock. Of course, during season, almost all the saddle companies are pretty much out because they're so popular now. But definitely check out Arrow Hunter Saddles if you're looking into it. Uh, on a- as far as Onyx Hunt goes, everybody should know about them. You know, they're the they're like the premium GPS mapping app. They give you public and private land boundaries. They give you landowner information. They give you hybrid maps, topo maps, satellite maps, waypoints. They work offline. It's just a phenomenal app. I pretty much find myself using it every day during the hunting season. So again, if you're in the market for a saddle or looking at a GPS app, please check out Arrow Hunter Saddles and uh, Onyx. And without further ado, let's hop into the podcast. So I got Jake Hofer here from Exodus Trail Cameras. Um, his, his last name is spelled H O F E R. And my wife's a first grade teacher. So I've been really working on sounding out <laughs> words <laughs> uh-huh. and that's an exception to the rule, but, uh, but no, I, I got, guess. I got Jake on from Exodus trail cameras. And we were just talking like before we started the podcast about it's October 14th today. And there's a big temp drop, a big change in wind coming tomorrow, October 15th to Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how good it was going to be. And I was explaining to him that a, a friend of mine said, yeah, it's going to be good, but um, it's not going to be great because the moon's not right. And then he proceeded to show me about 30 to 40 Pope and Young or possibly some Boone and Crockett deer on the wall, which of course changed my opinion of, all right, well, if that works, then <laughs> if you believe that, maybe I should believe it. Did he say when the next good day was going to be? Yeah, he said he he's starting on October 25th. He'll start hunting uh-huh. all day until the, until the full moon. So he'll hunt October 25th to the 31st all day, every day. Like all day sits same spot or? Uh, I don't know. Or is he about to I didn't ask him that. I asked, it, I asked to, uh, I asked, I was like, dude, we should just talk about this on a podcast. And he goes, yeah, we could, but I don't know. I don't really like talking <laughs> to other people. <laughs> he's just talking to you he just happened to be recording it right and he know he knows that he's like a polarizing figure he's like how about we just go walleye fishing and i'll just i'll just talk stupid out there i was like all right yeah. that sounds good i'll bring the mic <laughs> yeah exactly yeah mic him up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah well that's interesting i mean the 25th 25th 26th are some of my favorite days um yeah. or at least some of the most productive days of trail camera data so that's interesting yeah. Yeah. No, his, his best line the whole time was dude. So long as, so long as from the 25th to the 31st, 
it's not so hot that the Bucks are sweating their balls off while they're trying to get their balls out, it's going to be good hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's funny. That's great. Yeah, that's what that that was his line. So I was laughing pretty good. But yeah, he's a big believer in that. Um, and you know, 30, 40 deer, and he's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a couple of year. Um, yeah. Open Young's and a couple of Boone and Crockett's in there. Uh, so yeah, I gotta get them on. But um, but anyway, are you are you a moon guy? I'm not a moon guy. I don't really pay attention to it. No, I don't know if I'm smart enough to be a moon guy. I don't pay that's <laughs> one more thing to pay attention to. Like, you know, I, I'm not, and I think you know, some of the folks we've talked to in the past have you know, made me wonder, well, maybe that's something I should pay more attention yeah. to, but, um, you guys have the I'm trail, still... cam, trail cam radio, right? That's your, yeah. Podcast? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've talked to some folks on that and they, you know, like your buddy live, live and die by the moon, but I'm, I'm a weather guy at this point and uh, just most recent information. So, but you, you can't argue some people's success from it though. Right. And he said, so, and to his like somewhat credit, he said, uh, He's like, it's going to be good, but I'm not, he's like, I'm not diving into like my sweet spots on this cold front because Mm -hmm. it it just doesn't line up with the moon well for me. He goes, Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit on the edge and I'm going to watch like field and scrape lines from afar. So Mm -hmm. I can see if there's anything coming out and I can understand it. It, It's possible I could get a shot, but it's unlikely. Like I just, he goes, I want the data on who's, what deer are hitting, what scrapes and what scrapes are open yeah no i mean i i think that makes sense and i also think whatever if you're a weather guy and you only hunt on you know 10 degree 20 degree temperature drops or if you're a moon guy you're still limiting your sits which really is probably limits the pressure and you're only hunting your best spots on like you know quote unquote good days in your opinion i think it might be a a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes but hey (laughs) yeah dude that makes sense Yeah, I don't know. Hunting it on like perfect days, you're keeping the pressure yes. extremely low. And, and if you can afford that luxury, um, you know, you're good to go. He always gives me shit about getting close to bedding areas. And I'm like, dude, it's public land. Like, yeah, what do you want me to do? I'm not sitting. The f- you ain't seeing shit on the field edges, man. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> no, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's good practice anyway. So, or, I mean, if you only hunt the really good days you're really not going to get a hunt that often, especially if like, let's say you work, you work a normal nine to five, you only have the weekend. And then like, I mean, how many good weather days fall on a Saturday or Sunday when you have no right. responsibilities either? For sure. Oh yeah, dude. We just redid our bedroom floor. All it, I totaled the man hours up. It was 36 hours to pull out our carpet, paint our bedroom, and then put in <laughs> this new laminate floor. And it was, I like, I told my wife, I was like, I am done doing home projects because of COVID. Right. She is like, Oh, let's do this with the house. Yeah. Let's do oh yeah. The house. We have the time now, just like everybody else and their freaking brother. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm done doing home projects once hunting season hits. And then my neighbor opened his big mouth and he's like, Oh dude, we could knock that out in a few hours. I was like, you know, you shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So then the next day I was going to Menards to get the laminate (laughs) floor, but anyway, um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think like if you're only hunting those good days, it's really hard. Like you were saying, uh, if you're, if you're a weekend warrior and you just have those like weekends, I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to, yeah, it's almost like in order to be, 
really successful, you have to have some floating days that you can just like, Oh dude, it's a good weather day. Like I'm going to take off and like pop off from work. I feel like that's where a lot of people will get, get that success, especially on public land during the week when not a lot of people are out there. And I think that's really helpful, but so Jake, when are you guys, before we keep going, when are you guys, uh, when are you guys get more cameras in? Cause it seems like you're um, out and you've been <laughs> sold out for a while. And it seems like as soon as you get some, you're sold out again. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the nature of the beast right now, for sure. Um, we have more, we have renders in stock right now, actually, um, as of October 14th, um, we have more renders and tracks coming in November. So depending on when this is posted, we may have renders or we may have a bunch, um, as we get our next shipment in November. So, okay. Lift twos will not be coming in stock, um, as of this second. So pretty much treks and renders, which, um, should definitely cover your bases if you're trying to run a lot of volume and get, um, some yeah. good data for the following year, some real, real time data with the, with the render. Render, render is a cell cam, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I just want to give that for clarification. Yep. Um, uh, Verizon 4G uh, LTE camera. So, um, yep. you know, once you start running them, you're going to fall in love with something. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got you, one. Can't have, you can't have enough. Yeah. We got one on the property right now. Uh, my dad wanted one actually just for mm -hmm. like security purposes at the front of the property. So, Cause we're building, mm -hmm. um, we're building like a shed house so he can oh, see nice. everybody that comes, all the contractors and whatnot coming in and out and it grabs their license plate and everything. So it's pretty slick. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Um, but, uh, but okay. So that's when cameras are coming in. Are you hunting? So we got this big cold front coming tomorrow. Are you hunting? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll be out in the morning and I, I hung this set in August and Kind of off some bedding areas and i'm hoping to catch um some bucks coming back to bed i have a cell camera and actually today is the first day i've been back in there forever ideally didn't want to go back in there but i it was hot it was windy and uh, i want to kind of confirm if there's good sign and there's a good sign literally everywhere so i have pretty um high expectations for the morning i'm gonna try to get in there and super 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 early beat them back to bed um sometimes they're hanging out in front of the stand because it's uh, it was CRP in the past. It, they didn't enroll the program and they actually just mowed it off. So there's actually a lot of natural browse and they, you know, eat that last browse and then go right to bed on Oak Ridge. It's really thick and nasty. So got to come in a different way than I usually do and try to beat them in there. And uh, maybe I'll kill buck in the morning. I should have an opportunity to at least see a mature buck. Cool. So what is, what is like, what is super, super early? Like, it uh, so I, yeah. Yeah. I plan. So what, the, what is the first light tomorrow? Let me look here. Um, it's like almost six 30 or something. Yeah. That's the best yeah. part about so, this time of year is you don't have to get up at freaking like 3. AM. <laughs> well, I am getting up at three forty-five. I want to be in my stand settled, like bow on the hanger, like ready to go at five o'clock. Um, okay. And the reason, the reason I say that is just because like five fifteen, five twenty. Um, they start to roll in there and start browsing. There's still a lot of that like first light activity in the seven o'clock, um, 7 a.m. right there at sunrise, really good activity. And if, if you were to get in there later, I, I think you'd probably bust them off or run into them walking in. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good strategy for morning hunts, especially if you know you're that close and if you know there's good activity. Mm -hmm. Like, are you getting that, that intel from a render or, or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I had a render back there and actually opening morning, I mean, 
every time there's been any sort of a significant temperature drop, there has been mature bucks in there in the morning before they go back to bed. And that's been pretty consistent all summer and even up here, um, like yesterday morning. So like yesterday morning is probably, um, probably a low 150 inch 10 pointer in there, um, working a mock scrape and I'm hoping him or another 10 pointer show up. So those are kind of the two bucks I'm after in the morning. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel, feel pretty confident if something goes south, it's my own fault. Oh, dude, that's awesome. It's good to have that. It's, it's always nice to have that kind of confidence when you go into the woods. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, dude, well, I, oh, yeah. Dude, that's of yeah, that's as of now. Uh, talk to me tomorrow at 10 o'clock. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, so what is it about, what is it about that, that betting? I mean, we're, so the, the topic of this conversation is supposed to be the pre-rut and rut, but it sounds mm-hmm. like what you're hunting right now in October, it's going to be October 15th has nothing really to do with the pre-rut and rut. It just has everything to do with food and betting. Yeah, well, yes and no. I would say more so bedding than anything. I mean, where this property is, it's on the bluff of the Illinois River. And so there's a lot of oak ridges throughout this property. And then there's big ag everywhere around. So, I mean, there's unlimited food for these deer. There is not necessarily any uh, monocrop row crops very close to this. But anyways, it's just real strong bedding throughout here. Because, I mean, any, I guess, I call it hardwoods, but it's really, I mean, it's just, it's just a vein of hardwoods in between ag. And a lot of it's very open hardwoods, mature hardwoods, where there's just not a lot of cover. Where this is, there's some of the best cover in the whole area. And pretty much there's the whole bedding hierarchy throughout this whole ridge. And where I'm set up, should have my scent shooting down the goalie where there's no potential bedding and should be catching them going, you know, from where the does are bedding and hopefully go back to bed sooner. And then the bucks will be coming through here. So I, it's been a really good spot. It's, this is the third year I've been hunting this farm and it's really taken me three years to figure this out. Figure it, um, yeah. yeah. And that's where too, it used to be a tall CRP. It was actually past CRP, but it was like overgrown, a lot of willows and it was thick and nasty. They mowed a bunch of it. So now I put a, a mock scrape uh, 20 yards from the stand and it's like a magnet and it is, helps funnel that traffic they hit that and then they go to bed and i know that just because of the cell camera so i've been able to get that real-time feedback yeah consistently and say hey this this should work so i don't know as long as my access is good in the morning it should be golden nice so is the camera right on that mock scrape and they're hitting that in the morning yep yep so i'll send you some pictures so it's um about i would say 12 15 yards back off it so it's um and I got a render and a solar panel, and then I have another camera underneath it, uh, the lift, just because I wanted, that's one of more pictures. And honestly, like the different angle helps because um, I have a longer trigger delay on the, the render. So I have the lift too, just to get more pictures because obviously I can get an idea of what's going on, kind of idea what the buck is. But I also want the mass photos of them so I can see, oh, does he have a kicker on his G3? Like all those little things that I want to yeah. know. Um, and actually, one interesting thing too when they emit light at the same time, it really helps light up this field of view for the cameras too. So it's like two cameras flash units versus one, which obviously yeah. is not super practical for most people, but it's, it's helped this kind of set. Do you ever do that? Like being, being a trail camera company, do you ever grab like competitors cameras and put them side by side with yours and run them? I No, I haven't. Um, I know we've done different testing in the past, um, but that's something that I haven't done. Um, it would be interesting. I mean, even before I guess I was at Exits, I had some other cameras and 
Um, you know, they've all ran its course, but <laughs> the Rangers and the, you know, the Exodus brand is still staying strong. They've, they've yeah. since gone to oh, no, camera heaven. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just curious. Cause I've never done it. I just like, don't mm-hmm. like put in the time I need to just do it like in the spring or something when I don't really care and just set them right. like on the same tree, set like five of my cameras on the same tree and see which ones get what pictures. Cause one of the mm-hmm. biggest like pains in the ass I have, like there's a couple of things that I love and hate about trail cameras. Um, I love them cause they give you so much data and so much information, but I hate when your cards get stolen. I hate when yeah. your cameras get stolen. And I also hate when you come back and the camera hasn't taken a damn picture and it says it's hundred <laughs> percent battery life. It doesn't do a damn thing. Now, yeah. Now, not to like love on Exodus, but I've never had that with Exodus. And that's uh-huh. why I keep buying them because um, mm-hmm. I just don't. I have like my Brownings, my Moultries. Um, I have a Bushnell. Like those are the, those are like, I have a, I have a couple of muddy cameras. Those are the cameras that like give me problems. Um, mm-hmm. But I still run them because I, I own them and I, and I want to like, just, you know, I should use them. Right. They're, I have. Right. Them. Yeah. But like, like, God, dude, I had one set up on that mock scrape I was showing you earlier and yeah. I came back and I had like, after four weeks, I had like 25 pictures. I was like, God, that can't be right. Like I can see the deer tracks and I can see the amount of deer tracks here. So then I swapped it out with a track, left it for three weeks and I came back and there were 270 or something. So I was like, okay, right. like it is, it is this camera and it's just like, I just need to throw this thing up in the air with a shotgun and, and pull out the batteries and call it a day. Public land decoy. <laughs> much, maybe. Yeah. Right. I know I should catch those thieves like here, have this shit camera. <laughs> yeah, I, I take this headache away. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is your problem now. Um, but, uh, but okay. So, so it's those back to deer hunting. It's those, those deer that are going back to bed. You're, you're setting up on that mock scrape. Um, how'd you set up that mock scrape? Like, what'd you do for that? Um, so actually I bought some of these scrape stick things. Um, I was kind of just intrigued. I love scrapes. I mean, 80, probably 80% of my cameras are some association of scrapes. So I figured, Hey, I'll try that. So I actually, um, this past August put up a, you know, put a T post. Um, it was a, a day that it was raining. I went in there, put a T post in the ground, put this up there. And then, um, from what I've seen, a lot of, especially red oaks on this farm and another one we're getting hit and you can actually see like the historical kind of like community scrapes like they've been bit off or snapped off in the past so yeah. i took a branch from one of the the trees nearby um put it in there and actually i just went in and replaced it today a buck snapped the other one in half like snapped it right off the, the scrape stick was fine it was the branch that got snapped in half and then what i did too i prep some of the other trees nearby and those are just i mean they're getting worked like crazy so um it's just kind of right on the edge it's kind of a rolling slope and i try to put it out far enough where any deer that go in and look around they're going to see it um and try to make it a destination spot because especially archery hunting to get a deer you know where you want them to be in, you know 20 yards yeah i think uh it's definitely definitely going to uh I mean, just from what the trail camera data up to this point, I mean, it should be perfect. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I, I've had really good luck with those scrape sticks, honestly, up to this point. And, um, or just taking, taking the branches and zip tying them to, you know, a less ideal tree or tying them on there. So that's, uh, that's pretty much been my MO for trail camera data up to this point. 
Okay. Got it. Yeah. And I, it's like, do you use any sense on those mock scrapes or no? You just... I've been, I've been trying some, this one, I didn't do anything. Well, I, I, I pulled the, the trick out of Jeff Sturgis' playbook and, and peed in it. Um, but I didn't like put anything on the leaves. Um, I just took a rake and, you know, really got a, as fine powdery dirt as I could pulled any sort of vegetation out of it. And, uh, the deer have done the rest since then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, I, I always ask that. And I got that from some of like my listeners wrote, wrote in a couple questions. Like, do you use scents on scrapes? Um, mm-hmm. and that's always like a decent question. And do you use like buck urine and do you use all that during the rut? I don't use any of it. Um, not because I haven't tried it. I don't know. Maybe I haven't given it a fair shake, but when I have tried it, it hasn't done like anything for me in terms of an attractant. Um, my one buddy likes to pull, just take the, uh, take like a plastic Ziploc bag, pour the buck urine into that bag, and then just like cut up like a real long t-shirt. So it's like a foot, two feet long, like just like an inch wide piece of cloth and drop mm-hmm. it in there and just let it soak. And when he gets in the tree, he just hangs that from a branch as cover scent. And that actually seemed to work a little bit. Um, we did, like I was filming him a couple times and we had deer come downwind and we're not using any scent protection or anything like that. And and mm-hmm. uh, they didn't wind us. But other than that, like, I don't really use the buck urine. I don't really use the doe and estrus. I don't really use any of that stuff. And not on scrapes, I just, when I make mock mm-hmm. scrapes and granted, this is really my first year, like getting after it. Um, but, uh, but the mock scrapes I have made, I haven't done anything with, and I've just peed in them and mm-hmm. they seem, like you said, they seem to just work that way. Yeah. I actually, a fun fact, I, my family raised deer. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. So we oh, had, sure. I mean, we've had white deer my entire life. My freshman year of college, I started a small, uh, deer urine company. And it was okay. like my first entrepreneurial uh, venture. And uh, so I had, you know, built the website and everything I was selling. We would collect it and ship it the same day, which is obviously like a really big deal. Yeah. And then obviously uh, like people locally would come pick it up. And I would say when I, when I consistently use, you know, super fresh deer urine, it definitely, I don't know if it was mental, but definitely I felt like I got away with more um, from a scent perspective as a cover scent. Okay. Um, and then also, I mean, would put it in scrapes, but I mean, I don't know if it helps with scrape activity that much. I think probably putting in buck urine helped to some degree of like, who's this new buck in the area? Cause I mean, we had a mature buck that we we're getting it from and it was super, super fresh. I mean, literally, you know, it would be go out in the morning and they feed there last night and, and go put it out. So it was fun to experiment with that. There's a lot of work too. Um, yeah. To have everything clean and like, and then you're trying to deer hunt too. And it's like, well, I don't think it's going to help me, you know, the work the work input versus the outcome i don't think that so i just said well uh, you know i'll figure it out yeah <laughs> Aside from that. but it was fun to use super fresh here and i think it does make an impact okay no that's good to know like i've never talked to anybody who's ever like owned a deer farm or worked on one or anything like that that's yeah that's interesting so i mean just to dive dive down that uh, a touch like what did you guys like how did you make money did you sell like sperm or did you sell meat or or how did that work yeah so um my dad originally got into it um like breeder bucks and like wood um they would grow different deer and then they would sell them to um like game farms like missouri and stuff so we would sell you know uh x amount 
inch deer is worth X in the market. So we would sell those. And then, um, when I was a freshman, I was like, I, I built, I was, I was building some of these social platforms. Like, well, how can I monetize this? Like, what is, what is something that I could do that I don't have to necessarily, you know, pay to source of like our, our deer pee. And like, we have the facility to do it. So then that's where we just started collecting DRP. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah. like, was kind of like, we have this, you know, asset that we're not capitalizing on. What can we do? So that's originally, and we just had deer because my folks love deer so much. So it was a passion project. Definitely wasn't like a, a super lucrative deal, but um, <laughs> it was a self, a self-sustaining hobby, I guess is about all it yeah. was. Okay. No, that that's cool. That's interesting to know. And I, yeah, I've never, like I said, I've never talked to anybody who's done that before. Um, so then was there anything like, you know, being on a deer farm, is there anything that you were like, that you thought was really eye opening that a lot of people didn't really understand about deer that you learned? Yeah. Um, there, so obviously there's the annual data, um, you know, school of thought and what we've seen with a lot of the, I mean, some of these, you know, we had these deer forever and like they lived for to be, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And a lot of those does would go into peak estrus, you know, almost down to the date um, every single year. So like one of our does was November 10th, November 10th. She was, you know, plus or minus 12, 13 hours. Um, she was in peak estrus. So Dang. from, you know, from, from what we could tell, obviously it's not going to the lab to confirm, but um, I think my dad would put his life on. So I guess that's worth yeah. something. Uh, um, but <laughs> That was that was definitely very interesting because it's like you always hear you know the annual data, but these does would go into you know almost the exact same date every year. And then also, our farm is on you know surrounded by there's nothing but fields, there's no timber. And what was always cool to see was when things were heating up and we had a lot of does in estrus or you know you know thirteen fourteen does <laughs> that yeah. scent is going a long ways and we would, I would go out and walk out the perimeter of, of the fence and there just, it would be just scrapes everywhere. And like a lot of aggressive sign of these wild bucks that wanted to get in there. So that was something yeah. else that was pretty cool to see. But, um, other than that, just, you know, they were pretty consistent. <laughs> no, that is, that is super interesting. And you have to imagine like, you know, a three, if a buck lives to like six, seven years old and does are living, you know, eight, nine, 10, he's probably figured out, Oh, Betty, you know, Betty over there, <laughs> yeah. he comes into estrus, you know, around this time, November 5th or 6th. And right. Jenny over there is November 8th. And they like understand mm-hmm. that and they figure it out. Um, which probably dictates some of their movement as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I would think. Cause Jenny lives in this bedding area and, and Betty lives over there, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. And then a lot of times you see those younger deer just going kind of everywhere because they haven't quite. They don't know yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, that brings a whole yeah. new perspective to it a little bit. Um, For sure. Cool. So with the um, getting back to to mock scrapes, um, do you, do you ever? So you have that one mock scrape, and then you have you said you broke off all those other branches kind of in the area just so they could you know, have other scrapes. Do you, well, so I, I cleared, yeah, I cleared out what was underneath it, um, and, and try to make it somewhat visual. Um, and that's, I mean, they definitely hit that. So it, and part of that reason was 
the mock shapes 20 yards and those are like 25 27 yards so if anything it should give a longer opportunity if if a mature buck goes in there and is hitting it or my thought is just it's well in my range (laughs) maybe give me a better angle shot um or at least have a little bit more patience to if they're going to work that whole line yeah okay no, that's that's a good point too. Is is kind of if the more scra- if they work a whole scrape line, say you got eight scrapes out in front of you or nine, and they work that. That's another thing. My my buddy was telling me he's like, dude, if you can put like ten scrapes in a row, and a buck spends three to four minutes at each scrape, you know, you got a buck on your property for thirty to forty minutes. Um, mm-hmm. If you got ten out there in front of you, so if if they do that. Have you noticed that if deer will actually work a whole scrape line or if they'll go in and target just, you know, scrapes two, seven, and I don't know, nine? I, I can't speak to that confidently. Okay. Um, I can't say for certain. I would say I would venture. I can't personally, I can't see one working like, you know, and it depends on probably the line where it's at and like how, you know, how many does in the area. So like, I would probably venture to say probably not, but I can't say for certain. Yeah. No, that's a question that I would really like to know. And and I just need more trail cameras to tell me that. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's all these side projects. Like, man, if I had 10 more cameras, I'd love to know this. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, because I like I have a I have a friend who and and just about if anybody's been bow hunting long enough, you end up walking a field edge where you're just like scrape, 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 and they're mm-hmm. just like all over. It's like, all right, is when a buck comes through here, is he actually hitting every single one of these or is he only hitting like the last one or is he only hitting the first one or the one in the middle or, and, and why, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. And maybe I'm sure it's yeah. all over the place. The, uh, the only thing I would say to that, I mean, so there's, um, over a, a wide field. Okay. Or a very long field rather. There is a couple small thick patches on the edge of this field where deer tend to, when the crops are out, they tend to go in and bed. Now that scrape, I would say gets hit, you know, out of nine out of 10 bucks. And then there'll be additional scrapes throughout there that aren't in any association to, to where there's any sort of bedding structure. And I don't think that those get hit as often. I think it'd just be one buck that's super amped up, lays down that sign. And then maybe another one checks that community scrape goes in and puts down another, you know, random one can't say for certain, but I would say out of that 10, there's probably one or two that, that gets hit way more than the other ones, you know, drastically. Yeah. And that's what, that's a theory that I have as well. Um, and I just haven't been able to, to really test it, but I feel like you have like the primary, uh, you have like a primary scrape and then you like for every primary, depending on the area, and this is a total general rule of thumb, but you have like, five to 10 auxiliary scrapes that are just like hit every now and then, but then you got that one. That's like, this is the one that, you know, that. Well, actually, yeah, I just had a, this scenario actually, the scrape that came to mind. So there's one that's right next to some bedding that gets hit way often by a lot of deer. And then there was actually, I had a camera on that one. Then on the very end of the other field, there was a scrape that um, was so where I set up where I was talking about earlier before recording. And so there's a scrape there that didn't look, it got hit hard once and it looked like it was empty. So I had this, um, probably high one fifties, low one sixties. I would say probably a three-year-old, maybe a four-year-old. He worked this one scrape on one end of the field. And then 
about an hour later, I got him on the next camera and he didn't, he just looked at the licking branch and did not work it, but he worked the other scrape closer to the bedding. So, I mean, I could send you those videos. Yeah. Those are, that's a pretty distinct uh, example. Yeah. And it could be personality. It could be, could be just that scrape um who yeah i don't really know but i do i i think there is something to that about them sure. specifically targeting certain scrapes um definitely okay so yeah you're set up on that mock scrape what about um what about rubs what are your thoughts on rubs do you ever hunt them or what do you do with those um i don't hunt them but they get me excited, no doubt. Um, uh, I just saw <laughs> like a giant the rub today, and I was like, amped. Yeah, I was amped. Um, no, I don't hunt them, but I do think that there's things that could tell you, you know, like those signpost rubs that are, year, you know, they're year over year. Um, there's one example that comes to mind. It was uh, at a camera high up in a tree, and it was over one of the main trails, and there was just a ditch in between a bunch of fields, and there was a really, really big eight-pointer. And I had three years with data of this particular buck the first year i got him like a tree i don't know probably a 10 10 inch tree or so in diameter i had him you know scent check it you know rub his, he didn't rub it but he put his forehead up against the center of the up and then he's smelling it the next year he actually rubbed that tree pretty hard same exact tree almost a year exactly afterwards and then the year after that he just sniffed it again so that one year for whatever reason he actually worked it and you could tell that it was a legitimate rub the two other years it was just kind of like a, a sniffing spot or I, you know i don't know exactly yeah. what you'd want to call it but i found that to be pretty interesting huh. but, um that's just a, yeah. a unique thing of having a camera to burn there to see if he does it year over year yeah no that, that, that is interesting and i have a similar similar encounter with that and this is the only time i've ever had it happen was I set a camera up on a four wheel trail and it's kind of like the four wheel trail kind of gets a little wide at one spot. Mm -hmm. And there were these little tiny like saplings that were maybe an inch in diameter. And, um, little did I know, like I, I was hoping to catch deer come up and down this four wheel trail, but they were actually going, instead of going you know, like North to South, they're actually going East to West. And they, I mean, they were using the four wheel trail, but a lot of these bucks were coming from the East and then working across the front of the camera and they stopped at a, tr a little sapling and almost every buck I had on that camera rubbed that sapling, like mm -hmm. almost like it was a scrape. They all came in and then, then they quit hitting it and I couldn't figure out why. And then I went in there and again, I just didn't check the first time, but I went in there and it was snapped off. So they just worked it until mm -hmm. it broke and then they were just like done with it. So it was almost like they were using it similar to a scrape like but it was only box no does were hitting it so it was kind of just like a pure dominance thing not like looking for any does which was interesting right. i've never seen that before and it was just pure luck that i set the camera up there and they're not doing it that was last year and they're not doing it at all this year so hmm. i'm not i have no idea what's going on there um what about moving on what about like calling d and decoying do you do you grunt snort wheeze rattle decoy in in the past i've been pretty quiet in the woods um i'm still pretty am i see some people have so much success you know using those items or, or being more aggressive calls and it makes me feel like well you know 
is this a, a pretty large opportunity that, that I'm not using the deer I killed last year. I did um, grunt in, but aside from that, I mean, my success of like rattling in a mature buck is, is pretty limited. I mean, I ran, I rattled in a lot of two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and even, you know, more in supporting the bucks. But, um, and a part of that too was in the past, I'd hunt, I mean, I know I'm in Illinois, but pretty pressured farms. I mean, there was uh, handshake permission. Now I have access to a couple farms that are much lower pressure. And I think, um, success would be much higher as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's with, with the, with all of, all the, all the above really. Yeah. I would say all this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you had success with like rattling or grunting or using a decoy? No, no, but I don't, I don't, my problem is I don't do it enough. So it's, it's, I don't have a decoy. Right. It's a bad, like I, I'm not a good person to answer that question. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Hunsucker on was on here. Um, Aaron Warbritton was on here, and they both use decoys. And Aaron mm-hmm. even said he's like, "Man, I should probably use them more because when I do use them, I usually get have success." <laughs> but yeah. it's just kind of like a pain. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe that was that could have been Bo Martonic. I, I've done like six podcasts in the last <laughs> like five days. So it's just no. like all running together for me. Um, I hear you. But, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think decoys are something I, I want to try this year. I just, and, and I think it depends on pressure for rattling and all that and, and where you're at. Um, and I also like, like pressure can be what, like, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but almost like in pockets, like pockets of pressure. So like you can have like a two or a three mile, three square mile area where there's high pressure and rattling and calling doesn't work like at all. And you could have like a neighboring three square mile area where there's like no pressure. And there's only like, you know, eight landowners in the whole thing. And they all practice Mm -hmm. QDM and rattling and grunting and everything works there too. I would agree. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, I feel like it, that's what it depends on. And then deer density as well. And an individual box, like, are they more aggressive? Are they not aggressive in the time of year? Would you like, just as a, as a theory, as a theoretical question, um, would you think that Randall rattling and grunting and calling and decoys would work better during like the pre-rut during the rut or like late rut? probably all of the above and all situational i don't know um i'm trying to think in terms of my best rattling days were early november like i mean november 5th to the 10th is when i've had the most success okay um but i mean like some of the guys you mentioned there they they're great deer hunters and if they say it's if it's a good strategy uh, (laughs) i'm not dumb enough to say that they're wrong i think i I think i need to go buy a decoy Right. I, uh, yeah, I know it makes, yeah, it makes me wonder. So yeah, I, I got to, I'll probably, I don't know if I'll get a decoy yet this year, but I'll probably save up and, and grab one next year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the way Mike was talking about it, he was just like, dude, if, if, if you haven't done it, like just to watch them in person, um, mm-hmm. get all bristled up and ha- haunched up and like stiff legged and coming in like ready to kill that decoy. It'd be awesome. He's like, yeah, it is. It is such a cool experience. I mean, 
he goes at at that point you shoot that deer for the experience that you're having yeah. but you're not for the inches at all you're like dude this was such a good experience good story like i'm i would like to kill this deer just just to you know for that <laughs> but uh yeah that that's <laughs> interesting well I always see too, like where, where people use those decoys and then an insported buck knocks over and then, you know, I don't know if it ruins their hunt or not, but it's like, <laughs> get up, it's just like anything. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, that, right. that makes complete sense. I, I couldn't imagine seeing a mature buck trying to level a decoy and didn't have a chance to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike, Mike did say like, some t- he goes, the bucks will usually get like feisty with the decoy and, and figure it out and like try to knock it over or whatever. He goes, the does don't care and they'll just sit there. And after about 10 minutes, they'll be like, hmm, something's odd over there because this deer hasn't moved in a long time. And then they'll mm-hmm. blow on it and they'll come check it out or whatever. And they'll kind of muck up the whole area. So he's so his his theory is you don't want to do it in an area where you're, where you're likely to have does like feeding in a food plot or something like that. Mm-hmm. They kind of mess up. Yeah. You want to, you want to put it out somewhere where it's just like a buck travel route during the rut or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, so essentially in the, in the pre-rut, I mean, you, we talked about your hunt tomorrow, say, let's say, uh, I hate to jinx it, but let's say that goes South. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you don't uh and you, you don't kill tomorrow so it's just another average day taking your bow for a walk um yep. what are what's your what's kind of your strategy like for the next 15 days and again it's october 15th so we're talking you know mm-hmm. essentially the rest of october mm-hmm. um well there's a rolodex of bucks that i have in mind if things don't go well tomorrow that um i have previous years history with one of them uh is a, I assume to be an eight-year-old this year, and that's who I tried setting up wrong earlier this week. Last year, the 23rd, 24th, and I want to say even the 25th, um, he was right at gray light at night, like working that field where I was talking about, you know, scrapes throughout the whole field edge. Yeah. Um, so I have a cell camera on there to kind of help monitor that. And that's, I mean, I hate to plug the cell camera, but cell camera is very helpful in terms of like, if you have annual data on these deer, and you just need confirmation that you know, they may do the same thing again this year. Having that real-time data and not having to go in there and set up the area or add any pressure is going to be really beneficial, I believe, this year. So that's to answer your question. You know, for the second half of October, I'm telling you, out of the all the cameras I ran, community scrapes on like that 22nd to really 26, 27 has been some of the most phenomenal trail camera card pulls I've had, you know, throughout the entire year. And I just think it's those bucks that are mature bucks that are expanding, looking for some of those first does to go and eat because they'll still have does going and hit them. So really monitoring those, those community scrapes are, are key. Um, also already having those cameras on community scrapes, have an idea what bucks are already in the general area. Now, granted, they're not, you know, they, a lot of them are middle of the night type um, action at this point, but I really do believe that once we get closer to the end of the month, that you should be able to make a game plan to either shift around the farm and try to get there where you're cutting them off where they're coming off the bed or their activity is just going to ramp so much that uh, you may have a little dumb luck, which I, I always try to count on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just time in the woods and get you, get you some of that luck. Yeah. Um, hard work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so you mentioned like, 
Well, before I change this, so if you're if you if those bucks are hitting those scrapes, are you are you sitting within shooting distance of those scrapes? Or are you trying to hunt like a travel route around that scrape, or are you just like right on it? Um, oftentimes, right over that community scrape. Um, okay. Now, I have not. Well, just to add a disclaimer here, so people you know, <laughs> I have not killed one of those giants over a community scrape late October up to this point. I've been damn close multiple times. Um, but that's what I do. And, and I try to be, you know, not necessarily like hang a set and like, I'm going to hunt this three nights in a row. So when shifts, I'm trying to pick different trees and just doing a quick impromptu hunt. Um, last year, I had a cell camera. I think I would have been able to kill one of, one of the big deer <laughs> over the community <laughs> scrape, but it's just like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting over them personally. Yeah. I think okay. probably oh, yeah. being off them, I think it'd be beneficial, but I'd, like the last, um, I'm trying to think, the last three bucks I've killed have been in some association of them hitting the scrape before I killed them. All of them, I saw all the, the last three years I've killed, I've seen them work a scrape before I killed them. So I, I like scrapes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, yeah, man, whatever works for you. And I think, I think it's a great strategy. Um, do the other, one of the other things you said is you have a Rolodex of bucks that you're after. How are mm-hmm. you getting like, to kind of switch subjects a little bit here, how are you getting like permission on all these places and finding all these deer? Uh, dumb, I was talking about dumb luck earlier and, um, <laughs> and hard work, uh, pretty much those two things. Um, trying to think here, some of the farms. So, I mean, we only own a very, very like small, small, small parcel, eight acres. Um, it's a good eight acres, but it's, I mean, it's nothing too special. The other one, I got a random lead on lease that I, this is the first year I'll hunt it. I'll hunt it, but I think it should be really, really good um, based on the deer that are there now. And also after doing some digging and research in the neighboring area, I mean, it should, I'm very excited to see what shows up at the end of this month. And then a lot of it's just fear of influence, uh, not being scared to get no as an answer. And just, you know, it's an, it's a numbers game. It's a av- game of averages. And yeah. uh, the, this, the, the more, plan a b c d e f g you can have the better because i lose access to a lot of farms too so usually when one door closes another one opens but uh, there's probably a two closed door to one door open rate at this point yeah. do you ever uh do you ever find yourself like getting access to a property and then after after you get access you like scout it and you're like yeah this property isn't that good i'm not going to spend much time here yeah um <laughs> yes and no i mean last year that happened it was it was like 19 acres and it was just like all steep ravines and i had a couple cameras and it's like well there's i mean there's some good deer in there that if i had no other deer to hunt i would go in there and hunt them and, and hopefully kill them and then i went and randomly pulled that card like in january and there was some freaking slammers in there so i thought it wasn't good but um i was 100 wrong so i if you have huh. in the situation it's not bad you know because on these small parcels and like kind of like how you made mention of different areas have different pressure. And what I think happened was pressure ramped up all the way around this. And I was the only one hunting this small little parcel. And I do think that a lot of just doe families and stuff got pushed over into some of this thick cover. And there was actually like pretty solid road activity through there. So that was just another lesson to be learned. But I mean, more often than not, there's usually, um, Usually when I'm prospecting a property, usually it's, it's good to begin with, or I, I should have a strong inkling that the neighborhood is solid. Yeah. Okay. 
knowing that like i was talking to a guy named um shane butinari the other night and i got i hope i said his last name right it's but <laughs> no it's buttonary it's buttonary um he was he was commenting on how during the rut areas that you think aren't good or don't look good can be really good because no one goes there it is just mm-hmm. like no pressure and so these deer who aren't there at all over the summer are hardly there in october all of a sudden they live there in the month of november mm-hmm. you know? um and i think yeah that's everybody can kind of you know take something away from is find that find that area of the property that you're hunting that just like people just don't go and at least give mm-hmm. it take a look and check it out you know um two years yeah two years ago i killed the i killed the deer very similar to that i mean um i got permission you know just through sphere of influence and if i showed you on the map you'd probably laugh i mean there was literally only two trees i could probably hang a stand on and uh just a random finger going out in between uh a clover field a winter field and a big cornfield and it was it was a really good farm for like two or three years before i lost access to it and they killed the deer you know they'd show up that 22nd 23rd time of october and they'd be there probably till a lot of them were there till i would say like november 5th 6th um then there'd be a lot of bucks that go through there and then they'll disappear so that's uh the more properties you have like that in your back pocket, the more opportunities you have too. Yeah. I think that, I think that is really important. Like the more, the more options you have. And even mm-hmm. if you don't like have access to pieces of private, it's, you know, scout the scout, the six pieces of public that are within an hour of your house. Yeah. You know, like, like go scout those and have different options. Cause I know like sometimes when I go hunt in the evening, like maybe I'm getting out late and I'm getting out after work or something like that. I have a route that I take and I just check, I I start at point a, and if there's not a car there, I'll park there and I'll go hunt there. But like, if there's a car there, I just keep rolling and I go to the next one. Mm -hmm. Is there a truck there? Go to the next one, go to the next one. And I just like have a route that I take based on where I want to hunt. And some, and sometimes like, you know, during in late October and early November, like those parking lots just start filling up. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's strange because sometimes you'll roll in on a Saturday and there will be six cars in one lot. And then you'll go a mile down the road and there will be no one in that lot. So they all just wanted to hunt there for some reason. I I don't, I don't know what it is, Hmm. but that's just, yeah, that's just the way it goes. And so having multiple, multiple spots, you know, is, is awesome. And I mean, if you look at my on X, it's, you know, 40, 50, 60 tree stands, within this, you know, couple miles that I have to hunt around this public. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I also think like the, the trail cams that I have on my property this year, we have 110 acres and I haven't gotten a buck like over probably, I think the biggest one I have is in like the mid one thirties. Um, and last year there was, you know, 160 ish on there. And I know like, there was another like 140 on there and I know he survived. I got pictures of him in January, but I don't have any pictures of him yet. So I'm just hmm. not, I'm not sure. Like, you know, if he left the property, if, you know, he moved somewhere else, I have no clue what's going on. Maybe, maybe he died over the summer. I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, having 
the big the big takeaway there is like having multiple spots so that you can always bounce around and move around. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of these small random farms I'm hunting or pieces of public even like they're only good for certain windows and segments of the season too. So I mean you can't put all your eggs in one basket. I so mean, how do you yeah, how do you figure that out? And that that's a great point because you did say like that little uh finger you were just talking about, like they're only there from the twenty second to like the fifth. And then they're gone. Yep. Um, a lot of that's just running cameras and, and learning that over time. I mean, obviously you can kind of tell what property might be a rut farm or what one might have no late winter food or maybe one. I mean, so a lot of, it, I think it's probably food and cover dictated. I mean, for example, another farm that I used to hunt, it's uh, real swampy grasses and early October, really. I mean, that was actually one of the farms that killed big deer in late October, but all the way up to that first or second really hard frost, all that vegetation just lays down and all the cover's gone. Um, all the leaves fall off and it's just a dead zone. Like those still deer will still travel through there, but all the cover is gone and the deer moves. So like that has always been a really good early October uh, farm. And then it, it's, it's all the cover food and, you know, all the things that the deer need. But um, as you're getting permission to these parcels, just don't think like, man, this is going to be a great farm from October 1st to January 17th. Cause it's probably not. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, it makes, yeah, that's very true. Um, Okay. So as, so we kind of covered your strategy up until the end of October, does it change at all in November? Are you still looking at scrapes or are you trying to try in different areas and different tech? <laughs> Whether it's right or long, I'm still looking to scrape. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to scrape. I'm looking to scrape all year. All right. Whether it's right or wrong, I am. Um, and a lot of those are just like those community scrapes. And I think on some of the farms I hunt where deer densities are much higher, I think there's a lot of constant, um, does going into heat you know later in the year than what most farms would sure. um but the last two years i've killed the deer on november 3rd so obviously that's been good um the one was set up on correlation of the community scrape the last year it was just on the edge of doe bedding or uh, what i anticipated was doe bedding and i think that buck was you know bumping from from ridge to ridge looking for a doe um so i mean it, i don't know i mean some of the guys you talk to are a much more polished deer hunters. <laughs> I love scrapes and, and checking community scrapes and also just, just bouncing around and, um, and just, just keep trying. <laughs> like that's right. Just be tenacious <laughs> with your efforts and, and eventually you'll learn. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at bounce around, run cameras, have the annual data. That's a big thing too. I mean, just knowing what shows up in early November or what might show up again is obviously huge. Now, a new farm where I don't have any experience. I mean, I struggle on, on new farms for sure. And, uh, I think just being wise and using your cameras for this year and for years to come, I think is, is it's key to really build up a farm. Cause like I said, I feel really confident going in tomorrow. This is the third year I've hunted the farms. And this is probably the most confident I've felt on the farm just from finally learning how to set up and, you know, be patient yeah. enough to, to stay the heck out of there. So, I mean, just monitor those community scripts. That's my, that's my, uh, my silver bullet. Okay. No. So you'll be able to answer, answer a question I was having, um, which was, do you think that I, and I forget who I was talking about this with, but, um, do you think that during the rut based on, based on your trail camera data, do bucks, like, do they hit scrapes less? like from November 3rd to November 15th? 
or are they still hitting well, the same amount? I think it's less. I do think that, I mean, a lot of these mature bucks are getting locked down. I mean, obviously there's partial lockdown phase during that period. But sure. what I've noticed is on a good community scrape, and like what I mean by community scrape is one that has been getting hit in September, October, tomorrow it's going to get hit with the cold front. What I found is that November, there's one example that definitely comes to mind, like November 8th or 9th, I want to say, a doe came in and worked this community scrape, um, you know, sending it up. The next day, 189 and seven by seven came in and worked it in daylight. And he was in that area for like four days. Now he, on this scrape, he showed up on Halloween, hit it once. And this is the first year I had permission to the property. So I had no clue what I was doing. Worked <laughs> <laughs> it on Halloween. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's, I mean, that's a giant. And then I hunted on the eighth, I want to say. And then that's when that afternoon, Doe went and hit that community scrape. And then the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and I think even the 13th, he was just in there every day, like rutting, and I had him on camera. So, I mean, was he activity on goes down. No, he was just on it the one time, and then he was just in that real tight core area that I'm setting up on tomorrow. That's just a lot of bedding off all these different oak ridges, and then it kind of converges to yeah. this piece. So, that's where I, I, they definitely hit less, but what they can tell you is much more, in my opinion. Oh, so essentially, so I'm I'm sorry if I'm misunderstanding this. He hit it once in October, and then he hit it again on November eighth, and then he uh, no, yeah. So October thirty first, he hit it first time, one time only. That was it. And then this deer was MIA gone in my head. I didn't have a cell camera or anything on it. And then November eighth, I hunted. November eighth in the evening, a doe went in and freshened up this scrape, and it was pretty dead leading up to this point, like the last four or five days. And then November 9th, he went and worked the scrape just one okay. time in daylight, real good. And then he was in that core area. I mean, real tight. From what I can tell from the cameras, it was in a, you know, for the next a small, days. small area. Yeah. And was definitely rutting in that area. Okay. So you're saying it tells so just you. So paying more... attention when that doe, yeah, pay attention when the oh, doe randomly goes in there and works that scrape pretty well. Cause I think she's trying to tell the, the area that maybe she's about to go into heat. And that's just, that is just a theory and there's nothing more than that. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can see that. I mean, that's gonna draw bucks from all over <laughs> to come mm -hmm. in there, and he could have been with her for the next three, four days in that area. Exactly. Right, just mm -hmm. waiting for her to pop off. Um, yeah, and when he got killed, he was with the doe too. So I mean, I, it's just hard to say. I was gonna say, so you knew he was 189 inches. Like, did oh yeah, someone on that uh, that farm or a neighbor kill him? Uh, uh, a neighbor did kill him. Yes. Okay. And they they posted they posted and showed that. This gold 189. <laughs> yeah. Incredible whitetail. I've been, I've been looking for like, it's like, as soon as, as soon as I know, like I screwed up, I had my opportunity to kill that deer and knowing it's going to be a really long time before I find another like, <laughs> a clean, typical, that's going to score like that. But I found some really solid deer in the past. I just, man, it's just a learning process and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's cool that you're able to, get that historical data. Do you leave your trail cameras in the same spots every year or do you move them around? Um, it, uh, yes and no. Um, a, a lot of the cameras do stay in it, like the community scrape ones. They'll stay in almost the same exact spot. Okay. Um, there's some other like this, I just put up a cell camera today and it's kind of down in the Creek bottom. And this is like the main intersection of the farm, just the way everything, every, the way everything works on this farm. 
I had a camera there last year and it's just like just about every deer would, you know, end up traveling through there. So some of those is like, you know, eight, out of the 80, 20 rule, like the 80% success rate on those trail cameras, those ones are staying and maybe the 20% I'm shifting around and trying to find, um, you know, scratch that itch. Like, well, I wonder what goes on over on this part of the farm. And so not super scientific, but a lot of them are staying in the same spot and then have some feelers. And also, also too, once, I feel once you learn a farm, you can actually run less cameras and then you can take some of those additional cameras and go explore a piece of public or if you get permission, new property um, yeah. and start that process over. Okay. No. And I, and I asked that like, because last year was the first year hunting our farm and I just kind of put them like randomly throughout the farm, you know, trying to figure out yeah. the whole thing. And I didn't make any, commu- any scrapes last year. And this year, like life, I, sh- I should have been more proactive about it, but I didn't make, I only made two mock scrapes this year and I only put a camera on one of them and it's been great so far, mm-hmm. but I've only found on the property two community scrapes overall. And they're both in like the furthest back, most ridiculous areas mm-hmm. to get to. Um, so I haven't even put a camera on them this year just because I, I got last year, all the deer that hit those community scrapes I got in other places that were less intrusive. And this year, um, like I like essentially I could, I have set it up so that like, I don't have to go. I think my furthest trail camera is about 20 to 30 yards, maybe 30 yards off a four wheel trail. So like, it just, it just keeps my pressure way down because those community scrapes, like I said, they're roughly a hundred yards off the off the four-wheel trails and you're kind of going through some stuff that's some of it's bedding some of it's just um areas where you're definitely going to kick out deer and let them know that you're there um Mm -hmm. so again that would be a great spot for a render a cell cam maybe once my dad uh quits using this and we finish building (laughs) yeah there's a great father's day i got for myself yeah yeah. <laughs> right yeah happy father's day <laughs> right, i want to take my present person. back yeah yep. <laughs> um, so yeah i'll trade them i'll trade them a gate a gate for the driveway for that camera <laughs> pretty um, good deal but uh but yeah I, I was i that's why i asked the question is because i'm just i'm still moving all my cameras around just trying to find out what spots are the best spots to put them and this being the second year i imagine in the third year, I'll pretty probably have like 70, 80% of them set. And then fourth mm-hmm. year, I'll probably be able to, like you said, pull some of those off and start moving them and bringing them. So I have all nine of my cameras on our hundred acres and I don't have any on the public. And I'm really regretting that. And that's why I keep asking you on Instagram when you're getting more treks in, because <laughs> I want to buy member. <laughs> yep, and get them out on that public. Um, but uh, okay um yeah that was that was just that trail camera question um what else what else can we talk about Here, oh here's one thing i'll say about putting up mock scrapes though this is this my strategies and somewhat i've developed wherever you like on your farm where you're like i always bump those there like oh i always bump like this thing about in the, the summer or spring or whatever like i'm always bumping do, like a doe family group there all the time i try to put a mock scrape just right on the edge of that and it should serve as as a community scrape and that's that's what I've done a few times and I've had really good success with that. So maybe you could make your own community scrape. That's not so far back yeah. or intrusive to check. I actually like, I, I've, I have, now that you say that, 
I have an exact spot in my mind where yeah, I put probably, one there. I'm gonna go. I'll I'll go make one there this weekend. <laughs> drop a camera on Perfect. it. See if they use it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's right outside of bedding. I know it's right outside of bedding area. It's an old. They they cut timber there, and it's kind of grown up. There's like trees that are kind of like five six feet tall, kind of in an old, you know, logging road. And um, but the, where they cut all the trees is now everything's like it's real thick. Like I walk through a whole lot of shit and I don't want to walk through this, but I know <laughs> nice. that deer, I know that deer bed in there and I know they come out of there cause I get them on camera coming out. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, no, that's a great idea. I'll, I, I have an exact spot where I'll put a mock scrape and I'll see if it works. You know what? I actually used, you know, you use those tree branches. I used a vine. So we have vines yeah. all over the place and I just tied a rope up and then flipped the rope over a branch, pulled the vine up and then just tied the rope back to the branch at the base of the tree. And, and that's, that seems to be working all right for, yeah. I use, I use vines too. Um, I've had, and it, it could be more location dictated than the actual like vine versus branch. My vines have been okay. And some of these the branches have been really good. So, but okay. I mean, they, they definitely serve the same purpose and I'm sure they both work. Um, I would say it's probably just location dependent on my end. Sure. Um, okay. So kind of the last topic that I wanted to cover is, and we kind of discussed this a little bit, you touched on it is like full day sits. Like, are you, do you sit in the exact same spot all day? Like for the whole, um, for like a specific day that doesn't make sense at all. Do you sit in this, whatever, you know, the question answer it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in yes and no. Um, the more I learn, the less I would do them. And I don't know, like, because obviously, depending on the farm, like, I, I have a wide variety of farms. Like, some of them are, like, on the bluffs where there's actually quite a bit of hills and terrain, and there are more thermals in play. And I think probably a spot that's good in the morning might not be so good in the afternoon, and I'm aware of that. Um, in the past, I'd probably just sit it all day. So I do a little bit more shifting around, but there's certainly a couple of days a year that I, I pull the all-day sit. Um, but it's less and less every year, and I don't know if that's just – you know, I, I can't say that. I'm trying to think though. I've never, I've never really had like that 10, 11, 12 o'clock cruiser either. Um, one pulling all day sit. So maybe if I was rewarded <laughs> with one of those one time, <laughs> I'd probably have a different answer. But right now, I've, a lot of my deer are like right there, first light, um, within, you know, first hour of daylight. Or, I mean, actually, a lot of them are like that. And a lot of my afternoon bucks have been always really early too, not necessarily right at last light. So, I've had really good luck for morning. So usually the answer to that is I'm not feeling it by, if I'm not feeling it by nine, 10, 11 o'clock, then I'm usually thinking a, a plan B. That's, that's pretty interesting. Cause a lot of the people that I've talked to are more, their luck generally comes in the evenings. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You think it's just the way your farm's set up? Yeah. I think, I think that has to do with a lot of it. Um, a lot of these farms, I mean, it's not like, it's not like I can go put a food plot on some of these or like really manipulate the, uh, the landscape at all. So I'm just dealing with what I have. And for whatever reason, the mornings have just been good as you catch them back to bedding. They do have good bedding. So that's, um, that's good. And I'm trying to think like a lot of these farms, none of them have like a destination food source on them too. So maybe if I had different farms, I could definitely see uh, evenings being better. And I, morning access like gives me stress <laughs> so hard <laughs> like how are you supposed to get in there undetected i feel in the afternoon you can do it 
you can be much more strategic. Deer should be kind of like, okay, they should be there. I'm going to come in this way. But in the morning, as you're walking through in the dark, like I know I'm going to bump deer tomorrow morning. I'm just preparing myself to stay cool about it and hope that it's not the deer I'm hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I will. Yeah. I will say like the thing, the thing that is nice about going in like super early like that is the deer can't see you. And if you have a good Mm -hmm. wind, they can't wind you either. They're just going to, they're just going to hear you coming through. And depending on how you're walking, they'll be able to tell, I mean, they'll probably be able to tell that you're not a deer, but Mm -hmm. if you walk slow and and creep along, a lot of times they'll just, they'll kind of be like, all right, what are you? But it doesn't sound like danger, whatever. Maybe I'll just bound off a little bit and not, not Mm -hmm. blow on you, which always. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's my game plan. We'll see what happens. It's so, those leaves are so crunchy right now. It's like, it's impossible to go in there super quiet, but you can go slow. That's one thing I know I struggle with. I get too much in a hurry. I'm like, I just need to get to my stand. Boom. But I think yeah. uh, walking slower is just I think definitely, majority, I think probably more beneficial. Majority of hunters do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to get there. I got to get there. Uh, yep. Get it over with. Yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, this has been really informative, super helpful, um, especially on this, on the scrape side of things. It's, I didn't realize you were such a scrape man and it's, it's good. No, we can, Exodus, Exodus created Scrape Week, and that's my brainchild. So, I mean, that's how much I love it. I made a whole week dedicated to it. We have <laughs> we have content, um, like we have Scrape Week content lined up on Trocam Radio with uh, Johnny Ibrahar and like some other really good um, hunters that have way more experience than I do. So, that's uh, we're super excited about that, and I, I love scrapes. That's my that's my one that's my one thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. All right, so where can so if people want to find find you or find Exodus, where can they do that? So you can find Exodus at ExodusTrailCameras.com. Um, on Instagram, it's Exodus Trail Cameras. Uh, we have a lot of YouTube content. We're pumping out like three, four videos a week. Yeah, um, White right Tail now, Cribs, so. dude. That is. Yeah, every Wednesday. Guys, yeah. If you're listening to this and you haven't checked out White Tail Cribs, it's a pretty cool YouTube series that these guys got going on. They go to like these hunters who have, you know, 20, 30, 40 deer on the wall or elk or whatever it is. And they just talk to them and it's just cool to see all these mounts, how they set up and, and all, and a lot of the stories behind them too. Yeah. So you can find those white tail cribs every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And then you can find me at this Jake Hofer um, on Instagram, just Jake and then H O F E R. No underscore, just one word. Straight OG. I didn't have to put an underscore. Nice. Jake Hofer. Oh yeah. Early Not adopter. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, enjoyed talking to or listening to Jake, listening to me um, talk about these pre-rut activities, please go and leave a review. It really helps us kind of in the rankings when people are searching for podcasts and stuff like that. Maybe we can outdo trail cam radio at some point if we get enough <laughs> reviews. <laughs> but uh right but yeah i really appreciate it guys and definitely go check out if you're looking into trail cameras um exodus trail cameras you know i the reason i started going with these guys to be honest is like their their warranty is five years pretty much no questions asked and the other thing is that they have a theft warranty so like being a public land hunter if my camera gets stolen so long as i register with them they'll give me 50 percent off a new camera so mm-hmm. Like I, I really appreciate that. And then also just the simplicity they have the Trek, which is 130 bucks, 
they are 35. I don't know what it is. Um, 145. 145. And then they have the lift two, and then they have the render. So you have three cameras to choose from all kind of like low, medium and high quality. And it's just so easy to decide that not saying that the Exodus Trek is low quality, Jake. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, <laughs> I'm just saying no, I like, got you. I know low, what you mean. like the tiers, right? And when you yeah. go to Cabela's or Bass Pro and you're looking at 70 trail cameras and they're like $5 difference, like what the hell does all that mean? And are these people actually going to back it up? Blah, blah, blah. For, for me, it was just like, you know, these guys, the only thing you really do is make trail cameras and you have a phenomenal warranty and you have a great, like the theft warranty. And I can just call up and talk to you guys really easily. So that's, that was like, that was a big thing for me. So anyway, if you guys are looking at trail cameras, go check out Exodus and, uh, and don't, don't buy them in November. Cause I'm going to buy them. <laughs> Wait till next year. Um, right. All right, guys. Catch you later.